Hey everybody, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. It is episode 81 of our pod. It's Monday, July 11th. The Mets have just split a series with the Miami Marlins at home and coming up is the biggest set of the year yet as the Mets travel to Atlanta. I'm one of your hosts, Jolly Olive, aka Jack. Joining me as always is Jerry Blevins and also joining us is an invader from Braves country, Peter Moylan is our guest for today's episode. Peter, how are you doing first and foremost? I'm great and I come as a friend. I promise you, love this, it. Is, this is just content and it's going to be brilliant. Trust me. I love it. Yeah, we you we talked about it beforehand, but you are the Rugie to my Lugie. That's mm. right. It is a pleasure to have you on. Um, you'll be in the booth tonight uh, for this for these Ooh, games correct these games yeah three games awesome. in the booth can't wait frenchy frenchy took them off so i mean thank you jeff he's gonna do a tbs game on tuesday so oh, okay. oh. yeah so, so you're um, getting max versus max tonight that's big max exactly i was gonna do a movie poster style because of the hollywood all-star game thing mm. and the, the maximus from and then the Mad Max posters mm-hmm. just colliding. I mean, it was beautiful, but I can't Photoshop. So I was just gonna say that sounds amazing in concept, but execution and and graphic design, yeah, no, uh, I'm gonna have to send delegate that text. out to to the minions. Yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> well, well, we're we're happy to have you on, man. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Atlanta Braves, but first we have a four game set to discuss for the yes. with the Marlins, and mm-hmm. we are recapping. Of course, I get games two and games four. This has been a classic all season for me. Um, just sweet love fest for Blev on the 0 and 2 <laughs> on a split series. Good stuff. Yeah, this has been, a, I don't know, Peter, how much you're in tune with this, but this has been a consistent theme of win, loss, win for the Mets pretty much all year. Mm. Four game sets. Jerry gets tortured, man. Two losses. I'm sorry, Jerry. It's tough it's to win okay. a four game. It's okay. It makes for a more exciting three game set with, with the Atlanta Braves. So I'm, I'm for it. Absolutely. All right, I think we'll dive right in, right? We'll get through Let's these do pretty it. quick. All right, I got game one, as always, and game one is usually a win, and this was a shining example of that. Uh, the Mets welcomed the Marlins back into town after that really stressful series against the Reds. Probably shouldn't have been that stressful. It's already gone from my memory. I've already forgotten about it. Uh, they got started early in this one in the third inning. Doubles from J.D. Davis and Brandon Nimmo opened the scoring. Lindor added an RBI single to make it an early 2-0 Mets lead. Later in the fourth inning, three singles in a row by Mark Kim. Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis added another run. And then James McCann, who we're going to discuss a little bit more later in the episode, broke things open with a three-run homer off Daniel Castano for a 6-0 lead. He needed that. The Mets poured it on against Jimmy Yacobonis as well. It was a Joey Wendell era. Mark Canna got on again because that's what he does. And McNeil's walk loads of the bases with nobody out. And J.D. Davis, probably no other guy on this Mets roster that could have used that homer more besides maybe Dom Smith, cranks a grand slam to left field, his third homer of the year, 10-0. Mets all the while Trevor Williams is having his best start of the year of you know his entire tenure as a Met he goes seven shutout innings against the Marlins two hits allowed no walks which was huge seven strikeouts on 83 pitches he had six one two three innings his ERA is down to 3.76 and he completes seven innings for the first time since August of 2020 it had been almost two years Jake Reed, he was solid in two innings of relief. He shut down the Marlins and completed the shutout. He earns a demotion to AAA for his efforts, as always. J.D. 
J.D. Davis and James McCann, they carried the offense in this one. Four hits, eight RBI combined in the eight and nine hole. Multi-hit games for Starling Marte and Mark Canna as well. The Mets go five for 10 with runners in scoring positions. So that was a very welcome sight. Uh, so they win game one, uh, 10 to nothing, but they kind of used up a lot of that offense in game one and started to show a little bit in game two. Yeah, Trevor Williams looked great. Looked like he could go further, go deeper. Didn't need it. Uh, J.D. Davis needed that grand slam. That was nice. That brings us to game two. That was Chris Bassett coming off a long COVID, you know, stint where he said some things about COVID, which I will not cover here. <laughs> uh, but this set him in line for his third straight start against the Marlins versus Pablo Lopez, who the Mets have had his number for a little bit. Let's see if it continued. Uh, top of the second, uh, two singles, and then a K in between those. Brian De La Cruz doubles. Uh, that would be a theme because he did that three times, uh, putting the Marlins on the board one to nothing. Uh, Chris Bassett would escape the second, but in the bottom of the third, answering right away is Brandon Nimmo. On an 0-2 pitch, he deposited it into the upper deck in the right field uh, bleachers, making it 1-1. That brings us to the top of the fifth. I foreshadowed it before, but De La Cruz uh, opens it with a double, followed by a Miggy Rojas single that puts us at first and third. But Bassett holds him to one run on only a Joey Wendell sack fly, makes it 2-1 Marlins in the fifth. Brings us to the top of the seventh. This De La Cruz guy hits another double, a one-out one. That would end Bassett's night. In steps Drew Smith. He is really nice to Bassett, ends his night at six and a third with only those two runs scored. Uh, he's not so kind to himself because John Birdie starts off with a double and Garrett Cooper, Cooper homers off the foul pole and right to make it 4-1 to one Mets. That's another home run allowed by Drew Smith, which we might have to touch on a little bit. But uh, the bottom of the eighth, Lindor pulls the Mets within two with a home run to left. Um, they would later load the bases and in steps Eduardo Escobar who promptly hits a lazy fly ball to center field to end his very tough night. He goes 0 for 4, leaves seven men on base alone. Uh, that would be it. The Marlins would add a, an insurance run on a sack su uh, suicide squeeze, a little safety squeeze. It would be 5-2. to two. The Mets go 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position, leaving 10 men on base. And again, Eduardo Escobar had a rough one, leaving seven men on all by himself. Mets Oof. lose five to two. This was the game I was in attendance for. Both home runs came right near the JM crew. Uh, we didn't get our hands on them. Uh, pretty huge dud of a game. Luckily, it was heightened by, you know, the friends and the fans I was able to meet there. But yeah, complete dud in game two. That set up game three. Game three was a big day. Keith Hernandez's number finally retired. Well deserved. Up in the rafters. The Mets did an awesome ceremony. Probably the best they've done for any of the guys they've retired. Keith gave a very touching speech. It was a huge emotional day. Uh, he returned to the booth in the second inning. Uh, it got off to a rough start, though. Cookie, I don't know if you remember last year, he also started the game where they retired Jerry Kuzman's number. And in the first inning, he gave up a leadoff home run on the first pitch. So I thought, OK, you know, let's let's not repeat that a little bit this year. The Marlins do load the bases with nobody out. We thought we were getting a, a run scored on a double play. James McCann's catcher interference negated that and loaded the bases instead. 
But that kind of worked out because he gets Jesus Sanchez to strike out and then Abisel Garcia leans over on that changeup and grounds into an easy double play. Cookie gets out of that frame with no runs scored. Pete Alonso finally gets the monkey off his shoulder and hits a huge solo shot for the one nothing lead. The Mets were hitless through their first 11 outs against Braxton Garrett, another left-handed starting pitcher, so that's not very surprising. James McCann and Stalling Marte both depart with early injuries in this one. McCann is hitting the IL with an oblique. Starling Marte is avoiding the IL. He's day to day, so that's good. Cookie looked strong for uh, the second start in a row, which is very nice to see. The Mets need him. Five and two thirds innings, two earned runs, seven hits, two walks, five strikeouts, no home runs on 92 pitches. You know, I think his line was a little bit, uh, his performance was a little bit better than his line, but he got tagged with some inherited runners. Uh, after two singles and a walk, Brian Anderson tied the game with a double in the sixth inning. Nimmo's relay to Guillaume guns down the go-ahead run at home. So Seth Lugo comes in for Cookie. He does let up a run on the wild pitch. That makes it two to one Marlins in the game. He comes on, gets two other outs in the next inning. The Mets get two runs right back on a two-out, two-run homer from Francisco Lindor that just stayed fair alongside the left field foul pole. A pretty nice celebration by him there, but that wouldn't stick as Jesus Aguilar takes the 0-2 pitch from Adam Adovino in the eighth inning and hits a solo home run to tie the game at three. In the bottom half of that inning, Guillaume doubles. He moves over on a sacrifice and Nimmo walks all with one out, so runners on the corners. The Mets fail to convert again. A McNeil flyout and a Lindor groundout squander that chance. Diaz comes in, does what he does. One, two, three inning strikes out two, but Anthony Bass matches him by striking out the side to send the game to extras. Nino gets a nice pickoff later on after a John Birdie single in the 10th. There was a throwing error by Lindor that allowed the go-ahead run to score. Uh, so that was kind of an ugly play there. The Mets head into the bottom of the 10th, down by one run. They strike out uh, with Eduardo Escobar and Luis Guillorme to send the game to its final out. Nito dribbles one down the third base line, uh, gets under Brian Anderson's glove. It's graciously ruled a double. Uh, he gets all the way to second base with that speed. So the Mets tie the game, and then Nimmo hits a comebacker right back to Tanner Scott. It's bobbled. It's picked up. It's thrown away. Not even close. Nito comes around to score. The Mets get a magic win on Keith Hernandez's day. It's the first extra inning walk-off for the Mets on an error since game six of the 1986 World Series. A little bit of magic there. The Mets get a, a stolen win in game three. Five to four is your final. Your, your classic pitcher error walk-off. Um, yeah, they go in the 10th inning. First and foremost, what an awesome ceremony. You mentioned it. Um, they really did justice to Keith Hernandez, who, you know, he's already in the Hall of Fame for the Mets. Then he gets he gets his number retired in the circle of honor. That's amazing. Should be in the actual Hall of Fame. Uh, Peter seems to have a question. Yes, Peter Moreland. <laughs> Why did it take this long? Um, new ownership. Yep. So that's the only thing I could say is the, the previous ownership may not have felt the same way. And there's also, you know, you kind of want to give him a little bit of gap of playing, I guess, you know, 25 years or whatever it's been. Sure. Is Just in now. case he wants to make a comeback. <laughs> yeah okay just in case you don't want to you, you want to bring the fans back you know it took forever they let tom Seaver, you know do it posthumously that's why i mentioned something about the the dodgers actually putting a statue up for sandy koufax while he's alive and still capable um of appreciating it so it was nice to see them honor keith hernandez he gave a very keith hernandez uh, heartfelt speech he did a great job it was an awesome ceremony yeah, very touching ceremony. And like Peter said, very long overdue. Sometimes at the end of the day, you just got to be happy that these things end up happening in the first place. But yeah, new ownership changes a lot of things. 
I think uh, Steve Cohen probably feels really good about that because it's kind of tailor-made for his success to do these things that should have been done a long time ago. So good for Keith, good for Steve, good for the Mets. That was a, a nice win by the Mets. Is another one, you know, coming off a weird squeaky win in games like this, you know, at in Cincinnati. Yeah. We win this one on a weird bottom of the 10th, two outs, and then end up scoring two, whatever the case may be, you'll take a W. Let me get rid of my lifesaver. Mm. Like a pro. Uh, <laughs> that brings us to game four. It was the pitching duo matchup. It lived up to its hype. It said Mr. Taiwan Walker, who might be the best pitcher that nobody really thinks is doing as well as he is because he is dominating mm -hmm. against Sandy Alcantara, who, sorry, Max Fried, is the best pitcher in the National League, arguably in baseball right now, to Mr. Shane McClanahan in the American League. I still give the nod to Sandy I think he's the best pitcher in baseball right this second. And again, sorry to Max Fried, who was my Yiddish professor during my <laughs> tenure with the Braves in 19. Great person. Beautiful left-handed curveball, which we'll touch upon later. Uh, I'm a big fan. But uh, that sets us up. It was pretty much as advertised through the first three innings. That brings us to the top of the fourth. After a hit-by-pitch and a single, uh, they get this amazing double play from Lindor to Guillaume to Alonso, or I think it was uh, to, to Smith at first, whatever the case may be. It was a beautiful backhand by Lindor who turns. Guillaume used those beautiful hands to turn it. It was a lovely double play. Uh, he escapes the top of the fourth. and the bottom of the fourth, the Mets get their own two runners on base once, but uh, it was scattered and Sandy did his Sandy stuff. Uh, the Mets don't score there. Brings us to the bottom of the six. After an error and a walk, the Sandman gets Lindor to hit into a double play and then Alonso to pop out to first base, which was really our only big threat of that game against Sandy. Um, and we squander that. Top of the seventh, uh, a John Birdie single who seems to get a hit every single at-bat against the Mets. Uh, he Bryce. steals second base, who he steals a bunch of bases, but Taiwan Walker really holds runners well. Kind of an unsung part of his game is his ability to control the runs. Um, you get a Garrett Cooper walk. He gets Jesus Aguilar to, to pop out to center field. Jesus Sanchez pops out to shortstop. And then a huge strikeout of Brian Anderson um, to end the inning. He gets fired up there. He has an absolutely stellar game. Uh, that brings Tywin Walker. He seven shutout, three hits, one walk, seven punch outs. Drew Smith follows up with a with a clean inning of his own. Edwin Diaz has a clean ninth, and that brings us to the tenth after Alcantara threw seven shutout, scattered six hits, only four strikeouts and one walk. Um, in the tenth, they end up scoring two runs after two outs against Tommy Hunter. Uh, Billy Hamilton's on second, steals third, and then um, uh, Nito throws the ball into left field, and it starts this uh, little snowball where they score two runs. The Mets don't score. They lose two to nothing. It's another game two loss, but it's game four. feels like another game two loss for your boy, Jay Blev. Yeah. It hurts deep for me. The Mets split. I feel like it was a personal attack, but we did get to watch beautiful pitching between Sandy Alcantara and I just love watching Taiwan pitch because he does it in a very fun, methodical way. It was so fast of a game. Uh, it was beautiful, but we lost two to nothing.
Yeah. I mean, carbon copy game two performance in game four, uh, 0 for seven with runners in scoring position, 10 men left on base. And you got another great starting pitcher performance that kind of gets squandered. Mets split a series that they easily could have lost three or four in with that game three kind of just going their way, by the way, of magic. Uh, so they split that, they get two wins, and now they are set up to travel to Truist Park and go take on those Atlanta Braves for the first time since May, I believe, right? Where we split that four-game set with them uh, at City Field. So. Oh, yeah. I wanted to make another a quick note for Sandy Alcantara. So mm. he went seven again. He hasn't gone under seven innings since May 6th, where he went four and two-thirds against the Padres and allowed two runs. This guy is on another level right now, a true workhorse who's dominating, throwing 101 in the seventh inning. Just crazy stuff. Peter, I got a question for you. Shoot. Uh, who's starting the NL side of the All-Star game, pitcher-wise? I would think Kershaw. Really? Yeah, just I just feel like with all the pomp that's happened so far, I think they're probably just going to try and make it as as movie starish as they can and just have it all be the all the storylines be there um i think alcantara probably deserves to start it i think max could probably make a case as well but alcantara has just been like you said love he's been on a he's gone back to like late 90s starters where he's you can literally pencil it in for seven or eight every single week it's un, it's unheard of it yeah. reminds me of like the the early like maybe late 2000s 2010 version of justin verlander right where he was just overpowering for so long just dominating i that's interesting you said kershaw kershaw because you know being in la the all-star game i figured it might be tony gonsolin right who's having an absolute sub two era but kershaw makes sense we'll see i think it might be gonsolin myself that's who i would bet on if i were a betting man Mm. But, You're not a betting man? I'm also not a betting man, Jerry. That's yeah, it's not for me. Like, uh, I don't mind it. Um, I'll play some fantasy football and I'll bet yeah. I'll bet on that. But I just, I'm, I don't like to gamble. It's not my favorite thing. How did we get separated at birth? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I think we're getting reunited, the Rugi and the Woogie connection. Fair enough. Um, am I mistaken in saying that Snit will pick who starts because he gets the managerial duty? Yes. Okay. So, oh, wow. with with conference from and and a right. lot of uh, a lot of assistance, I'm sure. A lot of influence. Yeah, MLB sure. will be like so. Snit, we were are you sure it's either Gonsolin or Kershaw? We love who you picked, but we thought personally. <laughs> yeah, I'm our boy. Our boy Trevor Plouffe is a huge, you know, Catterday. That's uh, Gonsolin. He's he's got like the weird cat fur cleats or whatever the case may be. I think he's been lobbying for him. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, you want to get to apples of our eye for the, so we pick like, uh, the apple of our eye is the, somebody that stood out, uh, for Jolly and myself for the last, um, the past performance of the last series. So do you want to go first? I'll let you go first. First of all, uh, you, for those of you guys just listening, um, he is uh, right now. Jolly is every bit on vacation at the beach once again. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember. He was on vacation, you know, just a week ago. Now he's on vacation again. He's he's full bearded. Yeah, yeah. He's rocking a tank beach top, bone. showing a little bit of chest hair. He's just he's in full beach mode right now. And Listen, I love. Listen, I still showed up. Right, that's I did my part. You know, Got the write up done. Like yeah, we're pro. beach bumming. Yeah, so we're doing the apple of our eye, creatively named by, of course, Jerry Blevins. In case Peter didn't know, I got to give you credit. You know, come on. I appreciate it. 
Offensive performance, we're kind of tough uh, in this one. Lindor goes four for 19. He does hit two homers. He gets three RBIs. Uh, Mark Canna, always doing what he does, four for 12, two walks, a double. Always all over the place, three runs scored. Just solid, absolutely. Worth every single penny, for sure. Um, And then J.D. Davis had a nice offensive standout. He only goes three for eight because he plays two games. He has a double, a home run, five RBI, three runs, two walks. A good performance by J.D. Nice little turnaround. I think we're both picking pitchers in this one, Jerry, if I'm not mistaken. I'm giving mine to Trevor Williams. So claps are around for T-Will. T-Will needed a nice bounce back. He's had a couple rough starts in a row. A lot of people were like, okay, he might be more comfortable in the bullpen. That's where his best performances have come from. And then he comes out and he absolutely shoves against the Marlins lineup. That does admittedly struggle, but, you know, still some potent uh, weapons in there as well. But seven innings, two hits. No walks, seven strikeouts, his first start of seven innings in two years. That's something he needed for his confidence boost. And he's still someone we're going to lean on for their, the time being until DeGrom returns. Because this is a team that I don't think is going to trade for a starter. So Trevor Williams is that guy right at the back end, ready to fill in. So good performance for him. I, I completely agree. I think, and it came in game one where we really needed to take game one. We've been doing a lot of winning the first game of the series. Um, but for Trevor Williams to stand up and just have a stellar outing it was it was dominant so that was great uh, he did well deserved yep mine as you you know aforementioned i am also giving mine to a pitcher his name is taiwan walker he is the apple of my eye pure dominance i, I don't want to harp on it too long because we have to talk about the upcoming brave series but Taiwan, seven shutout scattered three hits had a walk seven punch outs he's been doing it all year in big situations, he's really elevated his game because I watch him use that splitty and that slider. He sets guys up. He has that four-seam ride. Um, Ron Darling on the broadcast had a beautiful like combination where it was 2-2, um, and he threw a fastball up and away for a ball, and it was a good one, and he took it, and he goes, well, now he has him set up for that split. And he threw a split on the outside corner, like a way that just bounced down and he got a little sword half swing. Uh, That's what he's been doing all year. He's been able to add a whole new element with that splitty slider combination where he can think and be a little bit more cerebral on top of that power fastball. I wouldn't call it a power fastball, but it gets on you just stellar, quick paced, great defense behind him because you can stay in the game. Uh, He's the apple of my eye. I want to give it to an offensive person. I really do, but I don't you think just that can't. they're yeah, we need it. We need somebody in this series to step up. Uh you can wait. You can wait three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three more days. So I thought we'd preface everything about Mets Braves by just Peter, can can I get like a like a Braves state of the union like we've been following along we know that they've been winning a lot of games but you know i don't get to catch the braves playing every night i'd like to try not to because they just win all the time yeah but what's been working what is the recipe for success how do you beat the mets going into this series that's a great question and um the beauty of what's happening with this braves team right now is that it's a different person in a different way every single night and it sounds cliche to say it but Whatever it takes for them to win on that daily, uh, daily, nightly basis, they just figure it out. Um, whether it's a starting pitcher going seven innings or whether it's a, a, a bullpen of Jesse Chavez, Dylan Lee, Darren O'Day, 
and AJ Minter coming in and shutting down a team for five innings. Like it's just, it just doesn't matter what has to happen. It happens. Look at the names that we're throwing out there right now and look at the job that they're getting done. Um, it's a, it's an unusual feeling around the team. It's very relaxed. It's a very casual environment. Um, if you watch them play, if you watch them during the game, there's not a lot of tension. Uh, and I think that comes down from Snit, Jerry. You know what Snit personality is like. Absolutely. Um, so I just think guys are allowed to be themselves and, and, and they're having fun. And it helps when obviously they got in that role where they went they went on the, that run sort of to turn the season around. Like you guys, we got stuck in a rut last year where it was 50-50, win-loss, win-loss for 20-something games in a row. And we just could not get off that spinning wheel. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, you know, something something clicked. And and right now, something has clicked. We're getting some pieces back that that are going to be crucial as well. Um, but the starting rotation, honestly, has just solidified. And Michael Harris. Yeah. When I Michael Harris gonna... came up. Michael Harris is second. That's who I was going to ask you about. Can you introduce him to Mets fans a little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure. So we've heard about Michael Harris II last couple of spring trainings about the bat. It's always been about the bat tool. Uh, and then this year, again, comes into spring training, hits three something uh, and plays really good defense and then goes down to double A to start the season and just goes bananas. Like he's running down balls in center field. He's hitting everything. He went on a 32 game on base streak to start the season. So really open up some eyes. The decision was made when we started struggling defensively, we went on a road trip and we just made a couple of costly errors in the outfield that, that cost us games. Snit said that's enough. Uh, and they made the decision to bring up Michael Harris just to shore up the defense a little bit. So he goes to center field, obviously young, 21 years old, just trying to make an impression. And he's just you know, a couple of quality at bats, but nothing special. And then we go on a road trip and he just gets his first knock, gets his first homer, goes bananas. And then he starts to get comfortable, starts making a couple of diving plays in the outfield, comes up, makes some throws. Acuna is comfortable in right field. Duval goes to left field. The center field is being taken care of by Andrew Jr., and it's like he's in the nine hole hitting 340 right now. So it's wonderful. Yeah, it's it just it just worked out so well. I know everyone was sort of waiting for, for him to come up and struggle, but you can see the progression through the at bats. You can see the progression. He'll he'll take his time first at bat, he'll see pitches, and then he'll just he'll make the adjustments as the game goes on. And you can he can tell the way that the pitching staffer is attacking him and, and he can he can adjust from an at bat to a bat sort of uh it's it's crazy, man. It's like it's it's he's 21 years old and he's doing things that that he shouldn't really be doing. And it's it's really he's fun. the the youngest player in baseball right now. Correct. And yeah. he's doing really? things. So there's been a lot of talk about the Mets bringing up uh, a few prospects. Francisco Alvarez, the catching prospect, uh, Mark Vientos, who's a DH third base first base guy. You can you got that ring right up there. Oh, That's oh, a beautiful oh, ring. If you oh, guys are watching, that, that thing is, is incredible. By the way, the the ceremony when you got when you got presented your ring, one of my favorite things of the whole you know the whole beginning ceremonies was them presenting you with the ring. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Well deserved too. Um, but I love bringing up a young prospect in a well established team that's looking to contend because you can hide. Uh, a young hitter easier than you can a pitcher, which is where Kyle Wright is. You know, he came up on a contending team looking to win and you can't get your lumps in while you're trying to win ball games as a, as an organization, because 
you know, every time you stink as a pitcher, it's a loss for your team. Whereas if you go over four, you know, as a hitter, you have eight other guys in the lineup that can pick you up. So I think the, 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 the deepest lineup that you guys have allowing Michael Harris hitting 340 to bat ninth and get those, you know, watch a pitcher for eight at bats before he has to face is so huge for his development. You've really brought him along in such a positive way and in a really fun environment with, you know, with the coaching staff that you guys have there to develop, to stay fun, but to, to take the pressure off and to continue to get better. So it's a good environment for Michael Harris, the second, who I hear is just an awesome person off the field as well. The instant athleticism that's been given to the lineup and our defensive team is, is it's, it's so, it's so evident and it's so it's, it, we, there was a couple of, there was a game the other day where we hit back-to-back singles and it was uh, Michael Harris, Acuna, Dansby Swanson, three singles in a row. And it was like a track meet. It was, it was, it was really fun to watch. You know, we, we've got used to watching these big boppers and, and, and it's, it's, it's the game's changing. The game's shifting back a little bit. Strikes are key again. Contact seems to be key again. So, so you have like Duval is an underrated defensive player in general. I feel like he always gets overlooked because he's a home run guy. He's a big like muscle guy. So he, he gets, I think, underappreciated for how good he is. But with Acuna in right, Harris in center, and Duval in left, that is some amazing coverage. Um, and what then it also you have, does, it, and you have Dansby Swanson at shortstop. Yep. You have Austin Riley, who's also really good at third base. Uh, you have Matt Olson, who is just as good, I would say, as Freddie Freeman at first. Gold glove caliber, maybe even a touch better. Right. And then you have two all-star catchers with, you know, Contreras, who goes in as a DH filling in for uh, Harper. You have Travis Darno, who Mets fans are very familiar with, coming into his own. One of my favorite humans on the planet. Um, who has filled in at second base Arcia. for Ozzy? Orlando Asia has come in. Go check out the highlights from game two days ago. We've lost nothing defensively with Asia coming in there. He's a former wow. shortstop, and he's just he's he's making plays that, if I'm honest, Ozzy may not be able to make because of the strength of of Asia's arm. Wow. Um, but yeah, look, as far as we're obviously going to welcome Ozzy back with with open arms, but we don't lose anything defensively, which is such a huge key at that position too. Have either of you heard who the new platoon share with Orlando Arcia is as of We today? have. Yeah. It feels personal. The Braves it does feel a personal. little personal right, so, it? right now. <laughs> the Braves have been so like, we just won the World Series. It's not about the Mets. It's about us. And then right before you guys play New York, you sign old Robbie Cano. <laughs> like, is that a coincidence? I don't Look, we know. We just need a left-handed bat. It's as simple as that. Yeah, that's all it is. We that's need a left-handed bat. And Robbie became available. Why wouldn't you try it? Uh, right. You think they're going to platoon uh, Cano a little bit with him and Ozuna at the DH spot back and forth? Or is Zuna just DHing? Or is he going to be off the bench? I think Rosario and Azuna are going to platoon yeah. that, that left field uh, DHE type spot rather than Cano. But look, you may see, you may see that there. I'm, I'm, I mean, this it is feels our first personal, day, so they might just start him, bat him third, and yep. see <laughs> see if he can just strike lightning in a bottle <laughs> for one series. <laughs> he would too, you know. Yeah. That's the thing. So we're gonna get we'll we'll jump in. Do you want to get into it, Jolly? The the preview here. Before I do. Yeah, guys, if you're a Mets or a Braves fan and you want to come banter with the Rugi and the Lugi and the other guy, 
you should come to the all-star game vip party guys we're going to be in la next week for all-star week john boy media crew they're coming out come out to our vip event at boomtown brewery that's a fun name on tuesday july 19th from 2 30 to 4 30 to celebrate there's limited tickets that are selling out fast i think only about half are left maybe even less two free drink tickets a free jam all-star week t-shirt giveaways and prizes photo ops q a sessions and more there's a link in our show description on spotify apple Podcasts, and youtube if you want to come out and hang i think it's going to be a really good time i'm really looking forward to it i haven't gotten to meet a lot of like diehard jm fans i think you know we're all feeling the same way there and then i also got to give some love to greg morris cards who is yet again sponsoring an episode of shea station thank you to them they're the most trusted sports card seller on the planet they sell over eighty thousand sports cards every month which is over two thousand a day exclusively on ebay last time i told you guys to go get your jd davis baseball card the value's up because he had a grand slam he had a great series guys Uh, They sell baseball cards from every era, pre-war, post-war, and modern. They trust GMC because his team hand grades every card that they sell. So buyers have been trusting Greg's grades for years. If Greg says the card is mint, you know the card is mint. So go to uh, gregmorriscards.com to see their inventory. They want to give you $10 in free cards just for hearing about them from John Boy Media. Go to their website now, find the cards that you want, and if you win your auction, message them with the code John Boy to get $10 off your order. That is gregmorriscards.com. Last thing I want to say before we dive into the preview, especially with the Rugi and the Lugi here, I want to give some love to the Braves bullpen. You know, Peter alluded to it a little good, bit. Before. Good. I was going to ask. That was yeah. our last before we touch on the starting pitchers and, and sure. the matchups. We'll talk bullpen. Jesse Chavez is a guy that I've thought about making a video about for a while. Uh, I think he's 39. He's about to be 39. He's been in the league for 15 years. Do yourself a favor before you even finish this sentence. Go yeah. Pit, go to Baseball Savant. Are you there right now? I will check it out right now. Check out his pitching percentage per year, like pitching percentage each year. Pitching and percentage. How he's, well, his pitch usage percentage. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Oh, it his changes every year. Oh, no. It's I've like, seen it it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. I was going to bring it up today if we if we do anything about it. king of reinvention. That's, That's what exactly makes it what so I call interesting him. to me. Um, you know what's funny? I'm the king of reinvention. Yep. One of my one of my favorite teammates, awesome dude. He has a sick old Lincoln, you know, Continental that's just like my dream. Awesome. He's he's an, he's a SoCal guy, so he used to bring it to Anaheim. Super laid back. We played together on those uh, really fun teams in Oakland. Just super fun, just doing things. He's uh, like the glue piece to that bullpen who has just shut down uh, back end kind of guys aj mentor stepping in has been so huge for you guys i imagine um and then you have old balls and uh, darren o'day doing his thing um just dylan lee jackson stevens yeah i mean i was gonna Jesus touch on all Cruz, these guys, like yeah. whoever we bring up it's just i told dylan lee the other day and dylan lee had a tough one yesterday one pitch and this is another thing that that, that highlights how good the braves bullpen has been is we haven't had an outing where a reliever's come in and given up a home run and we've been like, oh man, you know, that's yeah. the game. It's just been a run of, of everybody coming in and doing their job. And I said to him yesterday, I said, you know, it's it's not supposed to be this easy. Like you can't just plop guys in wherever they want. There's no roles, Jerry. No one has a role. Like Minter's closing right now because Kenley's down. But apart from that, it's it could be anyone from the fourth to the eighth. 
I mean, yeah, you look at the save totals, there's three for Minter, five for Will Smith, two for Jackson Stevens, like, and it's not even like, because they, you know, they invested some money in this bullpen. They got Jansen, he's on the injured list, but he was good before he went. Colin McHugh was a big signing for him. He's been good, but the guys that are like sticking out. Just to, just to, so McHugh went on the COVID IL a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Came back. His first outing as a Brave was terrible. He admits it. He's, he had nothing, no cutter, no slider, no nothing. Since then, he's been really good. Then he had another bad outing uh, when he came back from COVID. But as far as numbers goes, he's had so he has like two, two or three blow-ups, blow and then okay. the rest of the outings have been pretty good. If and I'm that's reliever honest. ERA is just unforgiving, so you can't really tell from surface level, I guess. But like Darren O'Day with an ERA Darren under four, 39 years old. Give me like Jesse Chavez, 38 years old. I love I love that Jesse Chavez went to the Cubs for five games. And then he was like, I got to go home. I got to go where, where, where it all started last year. Uh, Dylan Lee, 1.5 ERA. I believe he was the one that started a World Series game last year. Am yeah. I correct in saying that? Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. And then Matzik, he's back and he's healthy. So this is a very, very good Braves bullpen. Very consistent from top to bottom. I just want to give them some love. You it's, guys, again, your bullpen is, is fantastic. But you guys have a lot of guys with a lot of games like uh you got will smith in 37 games mentors already been in 40 um there's there's is this sustainable especially with with will smith you know at 32 kind of pushing that age or do you have guys that like dylan lee uh matzik how's he looked when he's come back um colin McHugh, these guys that can that can fit those roles are you worried at all about over usage because it like mentor in 40 games already seems like a lot to me as well as will smith in 37 that's an 80 game pace which is pretty standard for for that's every true other i didn't day. look at it like that yeah. that's right so um but i think what's been great is the way they've managed like it's two in a row maybe i haven't i don't remember a guy honestly going three games in a row which is a discussion we had jerry uh mm-hmm. during spring training but i don't think from memory that I've seen a guy, maybe Minto has gone three games in a row, but but the other guys probably haven't. So as far as management goes, they've done a great job. We just looked at that yesterday. We used a ton of guys yesterday. But when you have starting pitching consistently throwing six or seven innings like we had for the last couple of weeks, it, it sort of just allows the bullpen to have that rest period. So when they have games like yesterday and you've got to go five or six innings, they can do it. And then you've got Max starting today, so he's going to hopefully do what Max does and, and protect the pen for another seven or eight innings. Yeah. That's another thing Buck has been really good about this year. I think the only thing that really sticks out was when we used Adam out of, you know, three days in a row and he had that blow up. I, I think it was against the, he Bridge, did, right? he did. He had a, he had a blow up. It was his third day in a row. Uh, but he had, that was the only time we've done it all year. It didn't pay off, but he was the one that was like, I could go if you need me today. I want to go. I feel great. And it just, he said, I felt great. I just sucked. Like it yeah. happens. <laughs> the Mets have, they have the Braves have a 40 gamer and a 37 gamer in their bullpen, but the Mets have Diaz at 36, Drew Smith at 33, Luga at 32, Otto at 35, Joelli at 32. So those have been like the guys out of the bullpen that you see come around every single series. Everything else has been kind of in flux, but I think the bullpen management in our team has been pretty solid uh, as of late, especially. But I think let's let's do our series probables. We we alluded to it before. Do you have one more thing, Peter? You want to add? I was just going to say a lot of those numbers came early on when we had a kink in our starting rotation. Didn't know the guys were coming in almost you know having to come in in the fifth inning almost every day. But that was back when Strider was in the bullpen too. Strider was in the bullpen. Yeah. 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 So this is uh, the series preview, a three-game set versus the Atlanta Braves. 
Um, very, very exciting right now. There's a lot to go. What are the Mets up in the standings right now? One and a half. One and a half games. So this could literally swing one way or the other. Very exciting. Game one, it's the battle of the maxes. It is Max Scherzer, Mad Max himself, and his 2.26 ERA going up against Max Freed. The, I guess the other side would be Maximus Aurelius and his 2.52 ERA. Uh, Freed has gone six plus with two earned runs or less in his last four starts. His last start uh, on the 2nd of uh, May or April, May, June, July. Wait, what do we got? What was, what's five? January, February, March, April, May. Yeah, May 2nd. He went six, gave up two, four hits, six punchies, got the W against the Mets. Uh, Scherzer hasn't faced Atlanta this year. Uh, He allowed four runs and 12 innings pitched in 2021 against them. Uh, Ronnie Acuna is seven for 20 with two home runs against Max Scherzer. Pete Alonso is four for 21 with two homers off Max Freed. That will be a battle. That pushes us to game two. David Peterson and his 3.48 ERA against Spencer Strider, the Doc Hollywood, Doc Holiday mustache, and his 2.6 ERA. Strider's last three starts, looking pretty good. 18 innings pitched, one run, eight hits, three walks, 30 punchies. 30, the highest strikeout per nine of any non-qualified, but uh, any starter in the game. Uh, Peterson hasn't allowed more than three earned runs at any of his last four starts. Matt Olson is uh, one for two with a homer off Peterson in his career. And Brandon Nimmo is one for two with a homer against Strider. That is game two. Uh, game three is Chris Bassett finally getting a non-Miami start this month in his 3.94 ERA. <laughs> uh, he's going against uh, old Uncle Charlie Morton in his 4.21 ERA, who had a rough start but has really turned it around in his last five. He has 33 and two innings, two-thirds innings pitched, six earned runs. That's a 1.6 ERA. Uh, 42 punch outs to eight walks. He's really turned it around. Uh, Bassett's return from the COVID list is six and a third, two earned runs, six hits, three Ks against Miami. Uh, Alonso does have some history against Charlie Morton. He's four for 10. Dom is three for 12 with a home run. Austin Riley, two for three with a homer off Bassett, but that's it. Um, you know that uh, Matt Olson and Bassett have a little bit of a history together. Should be a fun series. Are these your three best starting pitchers lined up right now? Mm. Uh, I would probably put Kyle Wright in oh. equal, equal third. Uh, yeah, two point nine seven. He's been good. Equal third, or are you equal. taking who are you taking out? If this is your top three, if you're setting up, if this is the playoffs, if who, I'm sending playoffs, I'm probably going to put Strider in the bullpen, and I'm going to have Morton, Freed, and Wright go. Wow, I like that. Actually, that's smart. Um, and I'll is, have Strider, my... is Strider going to be pushed back to the bullpen at oh, some point? I don't know. I don't. So, okay. Full disclosure. I thought he was going to be a reliever. Same. When he came up, I was like, okay, that's power stuff. He's going to be great for, you know, whatever relieving role you need him for. And then he comes out and he starts. And I'm like, oh, man, he's really good as a starter. He's dominant first time through. And even second time through, he's allowing a little bit more contact, but it's still just soft contact and a couple of foul balls and fly balls. And weak it's that third time through that has been worrying me. But then I'm like, well, if he's going to be a fourth or fifth starter, you don't need him to go seven innings every week. You just need him to cover five, six, get you through. So I don't know what the eventual plan is going to be. I just hope that whatever it is, that 
it, it sticks and he doesn't have to keep changing back and forth. Cause I think that's when you start getting in trouble and that's when you can sort of, is there inj- injuries can come. Is there going to be an innings kind of limit on him? That's what I was going to ask you. So they might push him to the bullpen like at the end of August going into September. If they need another power arm back there, it might be strategic and also saving him innings, but who knows? Could be. So he started all last year in the minor leagues. Um, I think he made 21 starts last year. 140-something innings, I think, last so, year. Yeah, I got the numbers here if you want them. Okay, yeah, yeah, please. I was okay, just so Strider currently is at 65 and two-thirds innings on the year. 19 games, eight starts. His amateur high for innings is last year, 94 innings. 94. Okay. So um, that is the, that's going to be, that's going to be the question, honestly. Um, like, do you trade for a starter and move Strider back to the bullpen? Do you We shut have him Soroka down? coming back. So that's the question, yeah, that's too. True. We have Mike Soroka that's, oh that's, Right. I forgot how many awesome humans you have on your team, not just good baseball players. I love, I, 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 Mets fans, I love the Braves team and the the players that they have on their team. I'm not shied away from It's hard to have a rival. (laughs) I think it's even better because I'm like sitting back going, you know, good for Matt Olson. He got traded. I'm happy for him. He's in a good spot. But God, what are you doing? I him for eight years. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've got great guys. The only caveat, um, is I, I, I love, I played with all, most of these guys, Jesse Chavez, Darren, like mentor, all these guys. Um, but when you wear the Braves uniform against the, against the Mets, um, you, you become an enemy and that's okay. I don't have to view it as that. I am an impartial judge. I'm in, you know, back here, I'm definitely rooting for the Mets. That's who, who I'm, I associate with, but I, I like your team. You, you don't, you're not a villain. There's yeah. nobody coming in that I don't in, appreciate. I love Ronald Acuna. You're rocking a, an Acuna NASA like shirt that I'm like, I need to get one of those. Yeah. That is a fantastic shirt. He's one of the best superstars in the game. You can tell by him being voted first in. He had the most votes in the national league. He didn't, he's not even having a great first half that you would want you know, coming off of an injury, he's fine, but that shows you his superstar status. You have a very likable, fun team to cheer for. Yeah, that's and that's what makes. And I get asked all the time, "Where was my favorite place to pitch?" And my number one favorite place to pitch was Shea Stadium. Uh, I remember this. Yeah, so it's like my my dad got to see me pitch there for the first time. Two innings there in two thousand, and like it's just the memories that I have at Shea Stadium, and the respect that I have for the Mets. And Buck Showalter, especially what he's doing with that team, I think honestly, that's been the probably best move that Cohen made. Yeah, that was Very a guy. So, I mean, you look to the two guys before, two first-time managers managing a lot of young talent, young, you know, like superstars, superstars in the making, and like you need a veteran presence there, and like. More than a player on your side is like you need more than just that senior player who's going to be like, goes, this is the way we do things around here. You need that respected guy, the Don, and that you've got it now. Yeah, he he's you know, I hadn't heard much about Snitker besides he was a like a, a lifer for the Braves. Yeah. Um, I I loved playing for him. I love Cranny. I love Walt Weiss. Uh, you know, I love all the uh, the whole coaching staff. Ron Washington um, the, was he the there wash, for you? Yeah, you've got Sal Fasano. You know, eastbound and down himself out there. Um, I don't know the bullpen guys. Uh, that's new. 
Um, but Drew French. Yeah, I, I don't remember if he was there. I'm terrible with names and faces anyway. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you got a very, very likable team, a fun team to cheer for. Uh, this is going to be a fun series, man. Is there something, is there a hot bat? Is there uh, one guy in this lineup that we should really be paying attention to? Because it's a super deep lineup. Um but is there a guy right now that you want to, or that's going to, we're going to see and be like, I'm hey, on fire. Well, I don't think you've seen this version of Dansby Swanson just yet. Mm. So um, it's been, it's been one of the greatest turnarounds that I've witnessed personally. Uh, he was looking like he was never going to make contact again for the first month. And he said it himself that, that he was just watches at bats and almost be physically sick. That's how bad he looked. And then he found something. Something's clicked. His approach has changed. He's hitting for power. He's hitting for average. He's hitting 302 right now. He's made the all-star team. That tells you everything you need to know. But you know what kind of a, a person he is too, Jerry. So talk about just add another one to the list. <laughs> I know. Just another all-American, very nice, likable yeah. boys. Like, he's just a good dude. Like, yeah, that was, the team is full of really... Like that clubhouse, the Mets clubhouse right now is spectacular. I think Buck has facilitated that a lot. Um, Francisco Lindor coming into his second year, Ed, Eduardo Escobar coming in. It seems like just a really fun place to be. That is 100% Atlanta's a clubhouse. Um, I can't know, believe I, how well I, this I, has I really, been set up. I really appreciated Freddie. Um, I liked him. He's one of the, 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 he's maybe the best. Him and Ichiro are the two best hitters I've ever faced. Um, him leaving, though, I think creates a new hierarchy in Atlanta because he's, he was the King dog and letting him go. I was so against Atlanta. I wanted to root against them for letting him go elsewhere. Um, I, because I'm, I'm so loyal. He wanted to be there. I like give him a sixth year. He wanted a sixth year. He deserved it. He just got you a world series MVP, but your team is better. Now your team is better. It's crazy. Everybody, everybody wanted to, anoint a new king when freddie left and i just i was like guys it's got to happen on its own it's got to happen it doesn't need to Team be sport. one person either yeah it's like you can have it and now we're finding that it doesn't need to be one big exactly. leader it's yelling at it's everyone it's, it's everyone it's, it's just yeah we uh everybody always tries to give pete alonso the, the captain moniker and i'm like That's no me. i me. like pete he's a great guy he's a he is the heart and soul of the mets when he like we need him more than we need anybody else we need his hot like driving and runs bat i think he's an awesome guy great person um but you don't just anoint that freddie became that guy he he was you know grandfathered in and he established himself but you don't need a captain ronnie acuna is not gonna he's still like 16 years old he doesn't have to be the guy anymore like to 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 be the captain like so to speak uh just you have good people in there leading the team in the right way, doing their work. You have Ozzy and, and Dansby and all the guys out there working with Ron Washington every day, doing the little things. When you have a guy like Michael Harris, the second come up, he sees how, what it means to be a big leaguer and what it takes to do things right every single day. And he just steps right into that. You don't have to be told you just do what you're, you do what everybody else is doing. That's been the biggest change that I've noticed um, is that, especially from the early days is that everybody has a purpose in the clubhouse. Now I would come to the clubhouse at one o'clock 
strictly just for food and to hang out with the boys. Like I wasn't working out. I wasn't, I didn't need to be there at one o'clock. I just wanted to be there at one o'clock to be around everybody and just to, to just hang out and have fun. Now everybody's got something to do. They're always doing, they're, they're doing their jobs or they're in there looking at video or they're in the cage or, or there is, everybody has a purpose now. And it's, it's so much more professional uh, which sounds funny because it's always been professional, but I just feel like the level of of work ethic now from everyone is just next level. So we have um, a, a little group chat where you sent us the Salakata. The NL East is over. Now you guys are a game and a half back. You're playing incredible baseball. We have a did three I game set did, here. I, I did send that. Did I? Oh. How yeah, did they think that was that. a good idea? Yeah, and and this is what baseball is. This is what 162 games provides. It allows a team to find their identity and run away with it. Um, The Mets have shown some vulnerability, and the Braves have figured out their winning formula. Uh, This is going to be a fun race all the way to the end. It should be uh, a really exciting series. I can't, you know, uh, we have you know Ron Keith and and Gary in the booth but i'm going to be flipping back and forth oh, on yeah. my app because i can't wait to to hear you talk calling the game man here's what we should do we should just knock down the wall between the two booths and Come just combine together. Why we not? should just combine this Please is what we need do. to do right great. yeah i can't wait either man especially if frenchy's there he's a hey he's a former met too he's not Frenchie's there though not there. that's why i'm in the booth yeah. he's gone he's doing the tbs game on tuesday is so. it just you and chip no me bj and chip oh nice. okay oh wow that's gonna be great uh, Peter, I don't know if you saw it. The Braves just did a trade. Uh, it's I don't think it's any uh, crazy stuff, but they traded for the 35th pick in the draft on Sunday. Drew Waters, Andrew Hoffman to the Royals. Drew Waters and Andrew Hoffman to the Royals. Wow, Drew Waters. Look that name up, dude. He's been yeah. one. He's been like top three prospect in the Braves organization for. They that's going to be pick. really good for him. Know. That's going to be he might go straight to the big leagues, honestly. Has he been ready? Yeah, he he looks like uh he's just been hurt. He's been yeah. he's dealt with an injury, it feels like every single year. He's he's never been able to get that full. I think this would be this might be the, the jump start for him. Um, but I hope this is a catalyst for another trade. When I heard the Royals and the Braves, I was hoping that we might get it get like someone with Merrifield else in that trade. or something like that. No, no, so. Andrew Benatendi. We're um, we're going to we're going to LA for the all-star festivities as a company with john boy um maybe we can hop on for a little bit together recap this kind of series and give a kind of state of the union i think we should be able to touch base again i will come back anytime love it you're the man my brother from another mother that's right i'm so excited i'm gonna i'm gonna sharpen my my um Mario Kart skills. Oh, that's important. Passing just texted that we just increased. What does he say? Before the trade. So the Braves had the 19th highest bonus pool in the draft. Yeah. 2.2 okay. million slot. So this seems like a fiscal decision. Now we are 10th with okay. the 10.2 million. Not bad. Jesus. Braves doing Braves things. Some eyes on it. Well, you know. Game, game one is big tonight, I think. I think that's, that's exactly I, my point. And yeah. that's you guys have won a lot of game ones. We've won a lot of games. That's been ones. our game this year. Yeah. We've had a chance to sweep the last three series in a row. We've just swept the last one. We get off to hot starts. You guys get off to hot starts. But this is going to be, but I, I again, if you don't win today, it certainly doesn't mean that the series is over. But if no, we not win by any today, means, but beating Max today, Reed is a big fun. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you guys got to him last time too. You remember you guys scored four runs in the first inning, whatever it was. But 
there was a plan of attack and then he was able to adjust and, and he shut you guys down for I think four or five innings or five innings, but you know, we'll see. I mean, Mets have struggled against lefties all year. I think game, getting the win for Scherzer who didn't get the win in Cincinnati, like game one, I think is the one that I'm focusing on. By the way, most. Scherzer looked like Max Scherzer, you know, he kind of eased into the season a little bit, but he was coming off that oblique where we I was a little bit worried. He's, he probably won't pitch a full allotment. He'll be probably 90, 95 pitches. Um, he looked every bit as Max. Yeah. So he's also, just a little side note, he's probably in the back of his mind after his last outing here, got a little bit of a oh yeah, a bone to pick. With a couple Truist home Park. runs hit off him, right? It's just not a good ending to the, to the, to the series for him. Yeah. Yeah, the, the truest park got him got him a little bit. Got him a little bit. A little sweaty, a yeah. little little tropical down here. It's a little uh, a little more humid. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's so hot in Atlanta. It's so sticky right now, too, man. It's like it rains every day. It's like it's <laughs> I was it's, in DC and I was like, man, this is hot. And then I, I signed with the Braves and I'm like, oh my God, this is another left. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And then you're there, you just got people in the outfield just living their life, you know. The great fans, that ballpark is awesome. Uh, this will be fun, man. It'll be electric. Uh, one of my favorite things is when they shut the lights off, when the visiting bullpen guys running in. That was, uh, I think, I might have been the test subject uh, on the first, you know, first time they're running in. I'm warming up. They turn the lights off. I'm warming up. They haven't turned the lights back on. I'm throwing pitches in the dark after the game. <laughs> can we get can we get the lights back on when I get to the infield so I can see the catcher? <laughs> is that what year was that? Uh, what was the first year of True Park? 16. Yeah, so it must have been 16 because I'm running out and the lights go off. I'm like, <laughs> and then so I keep going. They never came back on until like they throw the ball around to, to, to start the inning. I'm like, all right, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> Wild. All right, buddy. Thank you for, for being on. Peter Moylan, um, what do you got? Let's, let's give us a little, give us a little bit of uh, what you got on John Boy um promote what's your what's your twitter handle all that farm to fame today i'm about to record in about 10 minutes Mm. and then that comes out on wednesdays with kelsey winger uh kelsey the all-star all-star tell her i said hello i can't she's coming to la right yes awesome nice good yeah Yeah, i think we're all gonna be i don't know what what, it's gonna be so much fun again is is farm to fame blowing up as much as it seems because everybody is now deeper in touch with their like minor league system because of technology and stuff i feel like farm to fame is on its on its way up it also helps me because i get a glimpse of of what's coming next before they they really hit so it's it's educated me more with uh, with the rookies because it was something that I didn't really pay attention to. Especially I, yeah, in the minor never, never want to look behind. Right. right. Now it's now it's because you can, and they're relying so heavily on younger guys now too, because you know, there's, there's a rookie getting called up every, every couple of weeks now. So yep. um, we need to know who these guys are because they're going to be here soon. Are you exactly. at Peter Moylan on Twitter? You know, I am. Ah, I love it. <laughs> Great Twitter follow. Um, again, if you feel, if you're feeling, I don't think you're allowed if you're in the New York area to swap back and forth, but it'll be worth a shot. I'll definitely be uh, cheating on our SNY broadcast a little bit to check it out. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. My pleasure. I love you guys. I'll, uh, I can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks or in a week now. Holy cow. Hell yeah. It's yes, creeping sir. up. I have to book my flight to New York as we speak, as you reminded me. It's uh, coming up. That's why I'm here. Rugi Loogie. <laughs> right. Rugi and the Loogie, thank you. Uh, this is Shea Station. For Jolly Olive, for Peter Moylan, I am Jerry Blevins. Thank you for tuning in, and let's go Mets. Go Mets. Let's go Braves. Alonso to his left, flipped to the ground.